You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We're in the second part of our series on the book of Colossians called Culture Wars. And I want to bring a message today on Colossians 2 called The Drift. Turn to your neighbor and say, The Drift. The Drift. Have you ever had a moment where everybody's tried to convince you to do what they're doing? I remember our students' fundraiser here at church. We got some bikes from Pure Gym. We had set an ambitious target to over the course of 12 hours during the day to cycle something like 100 miles. So we're on stage, the bikes are here, we're cycling, it's awesome. People are giving money, it's great. But we decided to take the ante up to another level where we do a live stream and we do some challenges on the live stream. Now one of those challenges was a chili spice challenge. Now here I am amongst the students as then the student's pastor and they're challenging me to get involved in the spicy barbecue wings. Now, let me tell you something. I'm Irish, and for the last 2,000 plus years, all we've ever eaten and all we ever will eat in Ireland is potatoes. Mashed, boiled chips, don't care, just give me some potatoes. So as a result, my palate's quite bland, to say the least. Now, I'm the kind of guy that gets a chicken tikka masala from the Indian, and my nose starts running, and there's tears coming down my eyes, okay? So the students have challenged me, and we're eating the barbecue wings, and each one is a little bit spicier than the next. They're covered in different kind of sauces, and the first one, I'm fine. Second one, I feel, you know, the tingle on the tongue, but I'm fine. And then we get to this one where they've infused it with this paste that's pretty much illegal in the UK that they've got in from America. There's ghost chilies in it. And I'm on live stream as a student's pastor and everybody's looking at me saying, but Pastor Lee, you've got to lead by example. How many people love hearing those words? You've got to lead by example. So I took the barbecue chicken wing covered in chilies, took a bite, And at first I was fine. I was like, wow, this is easy. Maybe my palate's changed. The more chilies I've had, the more spice I've had during the course of these chicken wings, it's fine. And then it's like out of nowhere, the fires of hell itself erupted in my mouth. There's tears coming down my face. I don't know what to do. I start going into fight or flight mode. I'm panicking in this moment. I run to the bathroom. I'm literally in the downstairs bathroom. I'm shaking. I am that covered in spice. I'm shaking and I've got a pint of milk. I don't even like milk. My mouth is open and I'm pouring the milk down my face at the sink while also splashing water in my mouth. Nothing helped. 20 minutes later, I have about 50 million jackets on as I'm sitting there shaking in the corner. But bless the Lord, we hit our target for the students' fundraiser. It was all worth it. Time when someone's tried to convince you to join in. I remember back to playing hockey at the the football club. That would be weird, playing hockey at the football club. As a hockey goalkeeper, 
And I had this cringy t-shirt on that my mum got me. It was a goalkeeper, and it was literally Jesus' face, and it said on it, Jesus saves, right? That's not the way to evangelize people to the hockey club, right? Let me just put that there. That was my hockey shirt. Cringy, embarrassed, and awful. And every Easter, the hockey club would do a hockey tournament. It was the Easter tournament, and it was fun. There was five-a-side games. There was a tournament, a competition. It was really fun, good time. But over the course of a couple of years, the tournament pretty much became a drinking fest in the club where all it was all day were people drinking, getting drunk, trying to play hockey while they're drunk. And here's me with my Jesus Saves t-shirt on, everybody trying to pressure me to join in and get involved. And I said to the team, guys, this isn't how I live my life. This isn't who I am. But you notice something shifts relationally when people try to get you to join in what they're doing. And whenever you say no, suddenly you feel a little element of being ostracized, excluded, left out. I felt like in that moment where when I said that I didn't want to join in, I was on the outside. And maybe for you, you've had that moment where you've known what pressure is to join in. Perhaps it's in work where everyone's attitude and posture is negative, low, pessimistic. There's gossip and it feels easy to join in. Perhaps it's in the workplace again where people's language speaks down of other people. It's not full of faith. And you feel this pressure to join in. We call that a culture war, a clash of two different cultures. There's a culture of earth and there's a culture of heaven. And each one of us are called to live under the culture of heaven. This is why we have the book of Colossians. Colossians 2, Paul write, writes and expands on this tension. It says in verse 1, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea. Paul in this moment is burdened under the pressure of wanting the church to excel in their fellowship, excel in their followership of Jesus. And Paul in this moment is in pain, contending with everything he has for the future of the church in Colossae because they're caught up in the middle of a culture war. Goes on to write this in Colossians 2. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse four says this, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. Jump down to verse eight, see to it, the King James Version says, beware that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Paul is in this contention moment because on one side, we've got hollow, deceptive philosophy. And on the other side, we've got the culture of the kingdom and we've got Jesus. And in the middle, we have the church who are being swayed to the other side. Maybe you're asking the question, but if the church surely were strong in their faith, they wouldn't be so easily swayed to the other side. Good question. 
The reality is people rarely wake up one morning, do a 180 and decide to walk in the opposite direction. What happens is there's incremental decisions, changes over time that begins to take you to a place you never thought you'd go, but you end up there nonetheless because you ended up in the drift. Turn to your neighbor and say the drift. Bible says this in 2 verse 8, uses this phrase, takes you captive. There's an element of journey, taking one off as a slave, being carried off as a captive on a journey. You get carried off by culture, not in a moment of madness, but on the journey of the drift. Major societal changes happen, but they happen nine times out of 10 incrementally over time. There may be monumental moments, big moments, but they come from a journey of incremental change over time. And there's two kinds of drift. The first kind of drift is the upward drift. The upward drift. There's an electrician called Lech Vivenska in Gdansk who worked in Lenin's shipyard that got fired in 1976 for being late to work. Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But in reality, he got sacked because he was a member of the Polish trade union called Solidarity that had 10 million members. They were focused on pulling down the Soviet Union. He got fired for being late to work. But catch this, after the overthrow of communism, he became the first democratically elected prime minister of Poland in 1990 for 65 years. Who knew that the firing of an electrician would cause incremental change that would lead to an incredible change? The second kind of drift is the downwards drift. St. Pesos of Mount Athos says it like this. It says, evil comes in small steps. If it were all to come at once, we would not be deceived. It's picking up a little bit on what James 1 says. Verse 14 says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed then after desire is conceived, catch this, this is important, this is a formula. After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Conceiving of desire, birth of sin, sin grows and leads to death. There is an upwards drift, and there is a downwards drift. And today, Audacious Church, I want to know, what drift are you in? Jim Cimbala says it like this, we're either moving forward closer to God or going further away. There is no holding pattern. Today, are you in the upwards drift or are you in the downwards drift? So let me tell you, we were called as people of God, followers of Jesus, to live in the upwards drift, moving upwards, our lives winding upwards, the best ahead, having hope for the future, believing that the best days aren't behind us, but are coming up, and God can do immeasurably more in us and through us than we could ever think, comprehend, or imagine. We're not called to live lives that wind down, get smaller, but we are called by God to live in the upwards drift, scaling lofty places, moving up to mountaintops, to the next mountaintop, and doing great exploits for the kingdom of God. But the reality is all of us have times and dabbles in the downwards drift. 
And I wanna suggest today, church, three things that you can do to live in the upwards drift and get out of the downwards drift. The first thing, this will revolutionize your life. Make sure you write it down and get a tattoo of this as well. Read your Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. 2 Timothy 2, we've got a lot of Bible today. Is that good? Love the word of God in chest, we do. It says this, verse 14. Keep reminding them, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. If you're on Facebook quarreling about words, hey, message for you today, it's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved and a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and this is it, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And someone have a conversation with me some two, two and a half years ago, and they're talking about how we needed more Bible studies in church. And I was like, yes, love Bible studies, let's do it. He was like, yeah, great, let's do more Bible studies. And I said to the guy on the phone, I said, well, why don't you lead the Bible study? Get some people together and do the Bible study. Guy said to me, no thanks. And he left church to go to another church that did Bible studies. I love Bible studies, but catch this. Study found this, that 9% of Christians read their Bible every day. 13% read their Bible a few times a week. That means 87% of Christians do not read their Bibles. I love Bible studies, but I just want Christians to read their Bible. That's not a dig or a go at you today. That's just saying what the stats say. But Pastor Lee, you don't get it. My life's full, it's busy, I've no time. Cultivate a habit that works for you. Whatever works in your rhythm of life, find a habit, cultivate the habit and make it work for you. Mine is 10 minutes in the morning on a chair in the garden, first thing with a coffee, 10 minutes with God, 15, 20, however long I've got in the morning. Starting my day off with God. For Lysandre, she's doing her makeup, she's got an audio Bible on, listening to devotion, she goes for walks on her lunch break, prays, listens to her Bible, reads, find whatever rhythm of life to read your Bible works for you. Because it's vital that we know Jesus first in our lives because where there's no God, there's no peace. But when you know God, you know peace. No God, no peace. But when you know God, you know peace. To get out of the downwards drift, you need to make the Bible, reading your Bible, a priority in your life. Before you know what's going on in current affairs, know Jesus. Before you know what your bank balance says, know Jesus. Before you know what the word on the street is, know Jesus. Before you know what you think you can, should do, can't do, won't do, know Jesus. Come on, there's three people getting excited. The Bible is transformative, life-changing, cuts through the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, dividing flesh and spirit. If you do nothing else in your life as a follower of God, if you make the Bible your priority, rhythm with God in your life, your whole world would change. Oh, I reckon there'd be more forgiveness, less drama, more faith, more positivity if we all just committed to reading the word of 
God. If you're in the downward drift today, you feel like life is pulling you back, make a decision to read your Bible. Second thing we can all do to get out of the downwards drift and into the upward drift is Sunday church. Oh, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. Turn to someone and say Sunday church. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up, come on somebody, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. God hasn't called us only to a vertical relationship with him. That's the love of God element. God's called us to a horizontal relationship with one another. That's the love people element. And that is called the church. Now let me go on a tangent for the sec. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I believe through the local church, we can change society. We can feed the hungry. We can house the homeless. We can welcome the refugee. We can have an influence in politics, in business, in the status quo of the way things are. I believe that through the church, people's lives are transformed and changed, that the church is the vehicle, the agent of change on the earth, that without the church, the world would be an empty, dark place. But with the church, there's hope. With the church is a vehicle for change. With the church, there's an opportunity for the nation to know that it's loved, that there's a group community of people that would die on the altar of winning the world for Jesus, regardless of what it costs us, whether we're in plenty, we're in famine, we're in lots, we're in lack, wherever we are in the globe, we're advancing, we're moving forward. Check us out in China under persecution, the church is growing and building. In South America, small groups are erupting in every space and place in the globe and in the world, the church is moving, is advancing, and is taking ground. But if the local church is the hope of the world, then I have to be in the local church. The author of Hebrews is pleading here to the people, saying, don't give up meeting together because of the drift. You've got to be regular. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be planted because where you're planted, you grow. And the devil uses the drift to isolate us. And when you're isolated, you're vulnerable and he wants to take you out. But when we're together, we're stronger, we're better together. That if one person's down, the rest of us rallies around, picks them up. That regardless of what we're going through, through the church, there's power, there's strength, and there's unity. But this can't just be once every two months. If I go to the gym once every two months, in reality, it does nothing for my body, but it just tickles my ego and makes me think that I'm moving forward. If we come to church once every two months, once every six months, once at Easter, once at Christmas alone, all it will do is give us nice feelings of elation, but it will do nothing to change our life because we have to be planted because where you planted, you put down roots. You take up the nutrients of the soil and you start to grow. But if you're not planted, you don't grow. Make a decision to be planted in the house, to get out of the downwards drift. And the last thing, everybody say last thing. Last thing we have to do is this, is small groups. Small groups. We're the small group leaders. They're not cheering, small groups. Awesome. The Bible says this in Acts 2. You've heard it before. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Fish and chips, Nando's, KFC, all the good stuff. With glad, somebody's already responding. Glad and sincere hearts. Thursday, I was at a wedding in Gloucester, and it was a beautiful moment because one of the young people that I was a youth pastor of, going back six, seven years ago, got married. I know, right? How to make you feel old when one of the young people you were a youth pastor to got married? Now, I don't all queue up on the outside as you leave to tell me that I'm not old. I understand that. I understand that. A beautiful moment where we had a young person who gets married, and there's a group of us together of lads who were in small group six years ago, and they're all early 20s now. And we were having conversations together about, do you remember that time at Andy and Emma's house and that happened? Do you remember we were at the climbing gym doing small groups, having hot chocolates? Remember what we were talking about, what we were doing? All these memories came flooding back, and memories perhaps for me that I had forgotten about, but for these young guys had become etched in their hearts. I have been in a small group in some form for the last 10 years. And what small groups do so well is small groups hold me accountable to remaining in the upward drift. Times where it felt like I wanted to pack it all in, turn away, give up on Jesus, give up on the call of God because life got tough. Small group rallied around me. Hey mate, it's gonna be okay. Let's go out for coffee, let's hang out. Building family, building life, building relationships. There's power in community. And here we have in the midst of a culture war, we have this verse, Colossians 2 verse 8. says, which depends on human tradition and on the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See, this faith community, our church family and small groups, holds me accountable to living out the word of God. Because we all live in a broken world, but we are Christians, people of God, existing in a broken, fallen world. And when we exist in that place, it's easy for our mindsets to align up with what's happening in the world. It's easy to think small. It's easy to focus on material things. It's easy to focus on me, myself, and I, and worry about me and my house. But what small groups do, it helps me see that there's a bigger family than my nuclear family. It helps me see that life's not just about me and my house, but it's about the collective house of God's people. Watch what God will do in your life if you commit, however it works for you, to small groups. As someone who's been in a small group for 10 years, I'll put my bottom dollar on it that small groups will change your life. And the people in it will hold you accountable to keeping you in the upward drift. Get into the upward drift by small groups. Colossians 2 verse 8 one more time. See to that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. In the midst of the culture war, the downwards drift, the upwards drift, the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of heaven, make a decision above all things to know Jesus first. There's no Jesus, there's no life. But when you know Jesus, you know life. Remove Jesus from the equation and all we're talking about is behavior. But when you put Jesus at the center, we're talking about a God who came from heaven to earth, took on the sins, hang-ups of the world on the cross 
and was risen again on the third day. We celebrated it last Easter Sunday. But good news, the resurrection is for every Sunday, every day, every person, every child, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, no matter where you're from, the gospel still works. And you can live in the upwards drift when you prioritize Him. So what would it look like today if we all committed to prioritizing Jesus? We'd read our Bibles. We'd be in the house of God. We'd be in small groups with one another. And I'm not saying you do those three things and life's gonna be rosy. In fact, it's not. But watch what God will do, the strength He'll bring to your character and your spirit if you just commit to putting Him first. Perhaps today you've just got to create space to read your Bible. Don't go away feeling condemned. God doesn't bring condemnation. He says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but God does bring conviction. Let the conviction in you bring a challenge. Create space this week to read your Bible. Make a decision. Okay, I've made church once every six weeks. I'm going to try it twice. I'm going to try three times and watch as your roots go deeper into the house of God as you come into the atmosphere of worship what I love about worship is that your worries fade and are framed in God's presence they fade because in God's presence I realize that hey I don't need to be worried about that anymore God's got it and they get framed because I realize I begin to see things with a different perspective all right there's a challenge but I serve a God through whom all things are possible and everything's achievable. Or maybe it's small groups. Connect with one of the team today. Say, hey, I want to be in a small group. And watch what God will do as He aligns you with like-minded people and begins to change you, mold you, and shape you. Come on today, right across this place. Why don't you for a moment jump up to your feet as we respond together. One of those three areas today, God's speaking to you about, He's challenging your heart. And he's saying today, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Proverbs says it like this, the world winds upwards for the wise. The world of the righteous winds upward. You weren't called to exist in the downwards drift of life, but you were called to exist in the upwards drift of life. Maybe you feel that things have plateaued in your Christian walk or in your life. Make a decision to take it up a notch and watch what God will do. He'll do stuff in you and through you you thought wasn't possible. He'll do things that you dreamt of as a child that you thought couldn't be done. As you prioritize Him, watch what fruit and joy will come from your life. He loves you, He cares for you, and He's standing with open arms today, saying, in the midst of the culture war, in the midst of the culture clash where there's voices in your life saying one thing and there's voices saying another make a decision to prioritize god as the center and watch him bring life and breathe life in every place and space so come on we're going to sing you rain and i want us to respond today by prioritizing jesus in our lives that looks like raising our hands That might look like getting on your knees. That might look like a moment right now with God as you talk to Him and as He speaks to you, as He builds faith again. So come on. Let's put Him first today. Above our business, above our marriage, above our family, above what's coming tomorrow or what's happening next week.
Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 